As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to a special edition of The Game. I am Gabriel Marcotti, and today I'm joined by Patty Barkley and Ollie Kay to preview the Champions League final at Wembley. That would be the UEFA Men's Champions League final at Wembley. The, it's not funny, it's not funny, Patty. The, the women's final is on Thursday at uh, uh, Craven Cottage, I believe. And in fact, since this is a freeform podcast, a brief digression, the, uh, there's something called the Sports Journalists Association, uh, of which I am not a member because of a vowel on the end of my name um, but they sent out an email where they said we've got uh, 10 pairs of Champions League final tickets to give out for free <laughs> only SJA members are, are eligible uh, please send an email to such and such and of course uh, I know a bunch of people who did do that and discovered it was for the women's <laughs> Champions League final and because they're sexist pigs they were all highly disappointed Anyway, let's get into it. We've got we got some of the some of the latest news, of course, that, that that's happened uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson not very happy. Uh, Ollie, you were there. You wrote about it. Um, tell us what happened. Well, um, it was the, it was the pre Champions League final media day at, uh, at Carrington United's training ground, and um, obviously there was a there was an awful lot of interest. I mean, to, I think one thing to make clear is that although there were huge amounts of news. You know, TV news reporters and and sort of newspaper showbiz reporters, etc. News reporters um, congregated outside in the hope of um, getting a picture of or getting a, a, a sound bite from Ryan Giggs in his way to training. Um, it, it was just the sort of world sports uh, football. Well, it was, it was the football writing fraternity that was inside. Um, uh, in, inside the training ground, people from all over Europe, and um, it was said beforehand that there will, be, you know, it, it's questions just about the Champions League final, and and one reporter, Rob Harris from AP, simply asked about Ryan Giggs, and um, wait, did he ask about about Ryan Giggs, Giggs in the context of Welsh actors or super injunctions or anything like that? I think the question was, um, Ryan Giggs is your is your most experienced Champions League player. How, how how um, how important will he be on Saturday? And, and Fergie uh, sort of overreacted to that and, and said something like, um, "All the players are important, every one, every one of them," and was very sort of terse about it. And clearly thought there was a, an agenda to the question, even though it was a uh, more than legitimate question. And, and you but that's fine. So I mean, he doesn't. I mean, obviously, it would be great if people answered every question fully. And uh, he, he he sort of answered it with a generic answer, and it all ended there, right? Well, 
in, in theory it did, but um, but the, the the Sky News mics, the infamous Sky News mics, um, picked him up um, a couple of minutes later while another of his answers was being inter- in, translated for the Spanish journalists. Uh, he was sort of heard saying, um, "Who's that? Who's that guy there? Who asked that question?" Um, yeah, is he coming on Friday, i.e. to the Champions League final pre-match co- press conference? Well, let's ban him, or we'll, we'll ban him then. Um, the subtext being that um, it was not legitimate to ask a question about Ryan Giggs. And although I, I find all this whole Ryan Giggs business very depressing, I think it is very legitimate to ask a question of Giggs's state of mind, never mind his importance um, to Manchester United just generically I think it's legitimate to ask how is his state of mind will there be any concerns about it I mean you might not expect an answer from Fergie but um, I don't think um, that uh, Rob Harris has done uh, anything that would require infamy or being banned or anything but the good the good news is his, uh, his Twitter following has about doubled um, right. as a result did, did Ferguson do this as is, is this a mind game from, from Sir Alex in the sense that this is a way of me protecting my, my, my players and flexing my muscles or did he do it without thinking and he just kind of screwed up or does he did, or, 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 or what I mean no, what, what it, was the mind because obviously this, this has not helped United uh, uh, Ollie may feel, feel differently but I, I don't think it was a mind game on this I mean you know retrospectively it will be said he's creating a stockade mentality blah 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 but that's already there and people always say this of, of you know when Mourinho goes off the rail um, but you know, it, it was. It, I mean, Mourinho d- didn't help his team in the semis, and I don't think Ferguson's done his team any good. Uh, he may not have done any harm, but he hasn't done any good with this this time. I think he was purely uh, it, the man's uh, controls his favourite word, um, and uh, he 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 behaves like a. I mean, somebody said to me this morning, he, be- he behaves like a mafia boss. Uh, that's perhaps um, a slight exaggeration. In that I don't think anyone had their fingernails removed, but um, it's uh, it's it's uh, he does behave because of being cocooned by adoration for so many years by being allowed to get away with with uh, with his own way so often. It, it's you know it doesn't matter if you're seven months or seventy if you're spoiled you're going to misbehave and that's what he does one thing I might add is that he probably feels he earned that spoilage uh, with no, his success no over the does. years no one does no uh, one I, does I mean the, Sir Matt Busby was just as good a manager as, as uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and behaved with decorum at all times throughout his career and will, and, and will be remembered with much more respect um, Ollie, I, I see an interesting contrast in, in, in the preparations between between these two sides because um, Barcelona have basically put out shadow sides the last two weeks. He's kept them loose. He, a bunch of the starters were uh, were out on the town or have been out on the town in the in the last couple of days. He won't, Guardiola's attitude seems to be to keep everybody as relaxed as possible and it's been a long time since they played a quote-unquote real game. I mean, in the case of, of, of United... It's been slightly different. Uh, they had that huge game against Chelsea, obviously. Uh, then after that, you know, he played a mixture of, uh, you know, it wasn't a full sort of second string squad. Uh, they had that, that testimonial to Gary Neville last night where people still played, you know, were on the pitch a half hour or so for Wayne Rooney. Um, what do you make of, of the different approaches and, and, and specifically Barcelona? Are they maybe a little too loose from what you can tell? Yeah, well, that, that can happen at times when, when, a, when a team sort of goes... Um 
so long without playing a, a, a competitive game. And I mean, I would imagine it's far easier to prepare them for one huge event um, now than it was sort of 10, 20 years ago when the when the sports science conditioning side wasn't as um, well advanced as it is now. And I mean, I, I would think that. Um, Barcelona, for, for all that we talk about, Barcelona is an absolutely pure football team, and, and that you know very less they fair about everything else. They are incredibly um, focused on on all that kind of thing. So I'm sure their energy levels will be kept up, and they won't be able to sort of go, um, you know, lose match fitness, match sharpness, etc. But um, it is a contrast, isn't it? It's, it's um, you know, if, if they've rested most of their players, then that's three weeks or so and they've got to raise themselves for a big game on Saturday then um, it's um, well I'm, I'm sure the proof will be in the pudding but it, it, it's hard at this point to say um, to say which which approach is the best but certainly there was a feeling among Spanish journalists that Barcelona have tired over the course of the season and um, maybe this final was going to come too soon for them but um, or, or not 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 come soon enough for them, but maybe the uh, the, the rest that they've all had over the last um, few weeks will, uh, will will make the difference. The other interesting thing um, about the situation, of course, Barcelona, um, because of volcanic ash again, um, which many people feel probably cost them the Champions League last year when they were knocked out by Inter Milan after having to make this ridiculous train journey from 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 Barcelona. Um, to avoid this issue this year, they flew a couple of days early, which may give them some more relaxation. But I wanted to, to, to move on to the game itself and, and Patty, ask you, um, start, sorry, ask you to start breaking down the, the different components of this match. And in terms of the, 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 the United attack, I think we, if we expect or we assume it's Rooney and Chicharito in, in some form, uh, they're going to be under. They're going to be against a defense, which is quite interesting because Dani Alves on the right, Jared Pique in the middle. Those are the two, the two definites at this stage. But as we speak on Wednesday, we have a situation where um, Carlos Puyol, who has really only played, I think, four games uh, or so in the last three months, um, and a player who, when he's been on the pitch, uh, Barcelona haven't lost yet this season. I think I'm right in saying. He may have to play left back because, of course, Eric Abidal may not be in condition to start, and mm-hmm. and if he starts, you know, it's not going to be uh, it, it, it's not going to be the same thing. How do you see that shaking out? Because, of course, that also implies Javier Mascherano, the world's smallest centre half, yeah. lining up alongside Jair Pique. Yeah, I think uh, they do, they do have much better options than they did in Rome two years ago. Barcelona, uh, as you're not a big Yaya Touré. Uh, yes, uh, I mean that was uh, they they began with uh, with Puyol at uh, fullback again in that one. He was the man of the match. He was magnificent. He was, fit, he, hadn't, he, was he, he was fit, but I mean, what he displayed in that match was great tactical intelligence. Puyol is largely regarded as a sort of Stuart Pierce breast-beating player. He's anything but. He's uh, an incredibly intelligent footballer, and he proved it that night. Stuart Pierce thanks you, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. I, what I mean is the the perception <laughs> right. of Stuart Pierce. Stuart Pierce himself um, uh, breaks uh, breaks his own mould too. So, um, uh, but yeah, um, Puyol certainly. You know, wouldn't have played all these years for Barcelona without knowing the game. Um, Abidal is also a very intelligent player, so I don't think it matters uh, who plays at left back. Um, but it matters I, if they're not if they're not fully fit. It does, but I, I should think uh, you know that 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 will probably be the the condition. I th- I think given that it's the last game of the season, Puyol will 
start. He'll, I think he'll start at, <coughs> excuse me, left, left back. I wouldn't rule out Abidal coming in at centre-back, where the energy is not quite so important, but the pace is. Uh, so I, 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 I think they've got tremendous options in the back four Barcelona compared with two years ago. Having said that, I think they'll need them because the Chicharito factor has made Rooney t- uh, twice, three times the player he was two years ago. And, uh, and Chicharito, of course, has been you know, perhaps uh, United's uh, discovery of the season. Well, not a discovery uh, to the rest of the world, but to to the Stratford end. So I think that uh, um, I think that I don't think Barcelona will be worried about their back four as long as Mascherano doesn't play in it. Ali, it's an interesting one with Mascherano because obviously he moved to to Barcelona with with much fanfare. Um, they realised that he he wasn't effective in in central midfield. He was pressed into action as an emergency centre half, and and over the last month or so, um, people actually really like him in that position in Spain when he's playing alongside uh, a giant like, like, like Gerard Pique. But is is he a viable, I mean, if it does come to that, uh, is he a viable centre-half in a, in a Champions League final? Well, I, I, I remember before the semi-final when this was discussed, I mean, um, I was... I was very surprised to hear that he was he was going to be the centre half. I mean, he, he played a few games at right back for Liverpool and, and did did a pretty decent job there. But it's, I mean, it's a different kind of position. And although he's tactically disciplined in in, in one um, in one respect, I mean, he, he does have a slight headless chicken side to him. He's not tall. He's not um, you know he's not even particularly quick. Um, so I mean, as a I mean. When we talk about Yaya Toure moving back two years ago, I mean that that, that worked perfectly, and, and and he did really well. Um, but Mascherano, I mean, I, I would say he's, he will be a weak link. Yeah. I mean, maybe that weak link won't be exposed, but I don't think he can possibly be as. Uh, as effective alongside PK as Puyol. Well, the problem is he'll be making his foul. The problem with Mascherano at centre half is not so much the height, I don't think. It's the, um, uh, after all, uh, the massive Ferdinand and Vidic were unable to prevent Lionel Messi from heading a goal the last time the two teams met in the Champions League final. So maybe height's not everything. Uh, it's the fact that he commits his fouls closer to goal mm-hmm. and a free kick could could. Could, can alter any game um, and and with Giggs on the field oops sorry I've just mentioned the unmentionable with Giggs on the field Giggs is a very good uh, free kick specialist second only to Beckham in Manchester United's recent history so I think that that, that Ma- if Mascherano plays I think Rooney will certainly be looking for uh, those free kicks around the box Ollie just finished down for us breaking down United's attack versus Barcelona's defence where do you see the edge? Well, I think if United can get enough of the ball and, and can get can get sort of beyond biscuits and beyond the you know, in a position where they can attack the, the back four, I think I think there are a good possibilities for them. They've got pace on the counter attack with Valencia in particular. Park is a you know, maybe not as an incisive a footballer as, as Nani is, but he's certainly very effective. And he, had, he had a great couple of games against Chelsea and against. Um, Schalke in the Champions League, so I mean they have got quality uh, and, and penetration on, on in, in the wide positions, um, and they've got you know quality and, and, and pace in, in Rooney and Hernandez. And I, I think if they get enough of the ball, yeah. they will score. But it's um, as so often when we talk about playing Barcelona, it's it's a question of whether you're going to be able to get the ball in um, 
into their half because you know you look at the stats every time they play and it's Barcelona just seem to dominate possession um, much further up the field and it's very difficult to get the ball off them I think Ferguson will have to come up with something different uh, in this game I think he's quite capable of doing so I remember the game uh, I've forgotten which game it was where he, he came up with the two Brazilian twins uh, outside right and outside left Arsenal, uh, yeah. sorry which game was that? Oh, just fantastic performance. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing that's not avant-garde about Ferguson for all his faults. And, and I, I wonder if for this game he'll play uh, a tight three in midfield to crowd the space uh, used by Xavi, Messi and Iniesta in front of the back four and then play in attack uh, uh, two wide attackers. Okay, uh, that means, OK, so let, let's start putting some names in here because, yes, well, the, because one the, would the, definitely the, be Nani. And that's why I think that Nani can be the man of this match. Okay, so you need to help me out here. Yep. Okay, so you're saying a tight three, tight three, yeah, and and, and three up front. Okay, uh, so well, two, yes, or two wingers two, and a central two, striker, two, two wide attackers, um, okay. uh, and 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 a, a sort of a centre forward who right. drops. So off. Let, let's put names Rooney? so yeah. we know. So the centre uh, forward is Rooney. I'm guessing no Chicharito then. Chicharito would play right. You're right, playing Chicharito right on the wing. Attack. In the same position as Samuel Eto'o was used okay. uh, two years ago okay. in Rome. And your other winger in this w- scenario would, would, would be, be... Nani. Would be Nani. Yes. Okay, so in midfield we have Carrick, I would presume? Carrick or Park. I think I'd go for Park. The other two would be Fletcher, if he can play, uh, uh, would definitely be there, and Giggs. Ollie, what do you make of the Barkley method? Um, I think it... Uh, I think it, 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 it in, in theory, it all makes sense, but I, I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll. Um, I don't think we will see that team. Um, I think what has changed the whole dynamic uh, with regard to United for this match. Uh, well, two things. One is the emergence of uh, Hernandez, who has convinced Fergie. I think that, that United's best bet is to is to, to play him ahead of Rooney and, and and to go for it in some way, even if it means Rooney dropping back into midfield a lot of the time and. Even if it ends up looking at times more like four five one and four four two, the idea is at least I think to play um, the two of them together. But the other reason why that has happened is because Fletcher um, has, has has been ill for the last few months. He came back and played against um, Blackpool on um, on Sunday, but he really doesn't look. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
anything like the Fletcher of, well, the Fletcher that he can be. I mean, Fletcher's Oh, I need strength. to jump in here on Fletcher because I need to ask you this question flat out because I was making the same argument you did. I see him. He looks like a stick figure. You know, he's obviously was very seriously ill. And somebody else came back and he told me that, and I don't know, Ollie, if you're a ProZone man, but he told me, oh, but Fletcher's ProZone stats show that he covered like 13.4 kilometers or whatever and was far and away the, the, the most mobile, fittest man on the pitch against Blackpool. Now, I, I only saw that game on, on, on television. Um, is this ProZone stuff rubbish in this context? Do you still think there's something wrong with Fletcher? I, I do. I mean, I, I've, I've not heard that regarding his ProZone stats, but just, just watching it and, and watching Fletcher fairly carefully. I mean, it didn't seem like he. I mean, if if, if he was uh, covering all that ground, I would suggest that a lot of it was um, following the ball rather than sort of um, you know closing down and, and marauding as, uh, as as he can when he's at his best. Um, so this version I, of Fletcher can't do because there's another suggestion that's been gathering steam is that he you know that Fletcher is now somehow fit and he's going to be used and in a similar way to to the way that that. Mourinho used Pepe uh, uh, to stop Messi in uh, at the Bernabeu. You don't think that's a viable option with with Fletcher in these conditions? Well, I mean, uh, unless there's a, a very clever game of uh, uh, going on, then I mean, all the, the indications seem to be more that Fletcher might face a struggle to get on the bench than than, than to get um, than to. Um, than to, than to get in the, into the eleven, it, it's. Um, I mean, his fitness has been seen as a cause for concern, and I. I, I, I mean, I think I've said on here earlier in the season. I, I don't think Fletcher's looked right all season. I don't know what his pro zone stats will uh, <laughs> would, would would suggest, but he. Um, I mean, even sort of the months leading up to him, him or leading up to March when he when he was sort of sidelined by this illness he, he looked like there was something that was restricting him somehow and, and stopping him um, influencing, influencing games in, in, in quite the way he had before so um, I would be uh, pleasantly surprised if, um, if if Fletcher was playing I think, it, I think a fully fit Fletcher would make a, a big difference to United's game plan Let's talk um, Barcelona attack uh, United defence um, I'm assuming there's not going to be some much surprise here. Please stop me if I say something incorrect, but the backside will be uh, Van der Sar, um, Evra left back, Fittich and Ferdinand in the middle, Rafael right back. Well, um, it could be Fabio right back. It or Fabio, yes. John O'Shea right back. I think, I think it'd be one of the... You, you, think, you think it's the right back position is that much up for grabs? Um, no, I, th- I, think, I think it's between Fabio and Rafael. But because that's, that's the guy who's going to have to stop David Villa. Yeah. Exactly. And it's interesting because most of Barcelona's attack, I mean, pretty much proven, I think, most of the attack comes down Barcelona's right-hand side where you have to deal with Dani Alves coming up, Messi coming over, you've got Pedro there, and that's the way that Xavi tends to ghost. Whereas on the left-hand side, it's often David Villa on his own with a little bit of help from, from Iniesta. Um Paddy, how do you see this unfolding? I mean, what what do you tell Ferdinand and Vidic? And also, if you're Guardiola, are we going to see the the Messi center forward? Or are we going to see more of the Messi dropping off? I think I think if Ferdinand and Vidic see a lot of the ball, United could take a heavy pounding. I think that's why I think I think it's absolutely vital. That you the, stop them further the protection up the pitch. from midfield must be there. That's ab- would you ab- press? Absolutely vital. <sighs> On that pitch, I don't know. Uh, uh, I mean. 
Yes, um, I mean, you would, you would, you'd send United out to well, press. Well, I think, I think, I think, I, th- I think the. The, the, the main thing is, is that, that Ferdinand and Vidic mustn't be exposed to the little men running at them. Because if they are, certainly one of them, uh, Vidic will be, able, <laughs> be, off, be off the field. I, I mean, I doubt if the bookies will give you a price against that. I'm, I'm telling you. Um, uh, and then, then you've got the problem of Vilia coming in onto his right foot. Um, I mean, I don't know if either of those little Brazilian boys is, is left-footed, but it might be worth doing that, you know, the way, uh, was it Chelsea played a, a right-footed left-back against Messi when Messi was uh, on the right last year? can't remember. Who was it? Yes, they put Bosingua at left-back, didn't they? Um, it might be worth looking at. Uh, you need a strong left foot um, to stop to stop Villiard coming in. I know he's not scored as many. I know he's not been half the player playing in that position, but that can't go on forever. And uh, I think it's... Uh, I, I, think, I think that, that right-back's going to be a very important position on both sides, because as as I say, Barcelona's vulnerability is the space behind particularly Dani Alves. I, I, I personally think that if United do press high up the pitch, I mean, it's down to personnel and so on, but I I don't like the idea of making a 37-year-old Giggs press. I don't like the idea of Hernandez having to press and maybe not being fresh when you, when you do get the counter. I don't think he's going to do that, but uh, uh, Ali, I wanted to get your wanted to, to get your breakdown here. Uh, yeah, I mean, similar, I mean, the... Um I mean, I, I would share your concerns about about pressing. I think I think they're they're a much better pressing team when they've got when they've got Fletcher um, in the centre, um, or or if they had a, a an Owen Hargreaves, yeah. I think that would make a big difference. Um, Anderson, Carrick, Giggs—they're not uh, skulls. They're not players who are particularly well suited to that game. That uh, Par- Park and um, Park and Valencia can do it from the wide positions and maybe make. Um, try and narrow things or make it more congested by moving inside when United haven't got the ball and maybe Rooney in a different way can press from higher up the pitch um, but it's it's just very difficult I mean I, I don't think United have particularly got the um, the personnel to, to play that kind of game I mean, if you go back to the 2009 final I think everybody was saying after that final well maybe this will convince United to go out and buy that sort of um, more dominant, more aggressive um, central midfield player that, that, that they arguably have needed, even in spite of their great success over the past few years. And um, I think Ferguson's looked out there and, and just not been able to find anyone. And, um, and so he extended Carrick uh, and Anderson's contracts. Paddy. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say that there was an element of, when you talk about pressing, there was an element of method in Jose Mourinho's ma- apparent madness at the Bernabeu in the first leg of the semi-final. It was obvious what he was trying to do, uh, which was to draw Piquet forward. Um, and uh, and it worked. I mean, I, I have notes of that game after 15 minutes. Piquet was uh, standing on the centre circle, spreading passes left and right. Um, and I think that was that was the intention. Uh, to, to 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 just to give uh, Barcelona as much ball as they liked for the for 60, 60 meters, mm-hmm. and and try to draw them out of position, and then Ronaldo would have got a pass to chase, and and then maybe he would have scored. But that's so the, the opposite of pressing what Mourinho was, was doing. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. That's why uh, I would say, and also I'm not. Uh, I, th- I think I think much better to try and suck them forward, and the, and, and hit the space behind them, and that's why I'm saying it's so important because Wembley. 
Wembley. That's why I'm talking about the pitch. Because in Wembley, the ball holds up. So you can hit. I mean, I don't want to come over all John Beck, but you can hit the corners <laughs> and, and, and chase. And they'll be surprised because they don't know Wembley. The, the interesting thing about that, of course, is that Barcelona in that first leg, they didn't press either. They, they, they stayed much further back, almost as if, yeah. uh, you know, where Yola was saying, hey, yeah. you want to play for a draw here? That's yeah, fine. Yeah, Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Come back to our house and yeah. we'll, we'll unleash. Uh, yeah, we'll unleash a can of, of whoop ass, um, as, uh, as the rock might time. say. Yeah, but. Um, I want to move on to talk about these two managers because I, you know, sometimes it's always with with a hindsight of history that that, that you start to to appreciate certain things. I recently I was involved in a, in a debate for the name the greatest teams of, of all time, and and you go you look at their record, you look at what they achieved, and obviously it's difficult to compare eras. But you look at this, and specifically these two managers, Pep Guardiola, if he wins this, he will have had probably the greatest first three years of, of any manager ever. He will have redefined a style of playing, one that there's no team ever that has had 70% possession. Um, it just simply doesn't, that, that has averaged that over a league season. That just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, by the same token, we talk about Sir Alex Ferguson, if, if they win this, you know he's going to. This, this will be his third uh, European Cup, mm-hmm. which would put him, um, you know, on a par with the greats that have won the most. He, of course, has a whole raft of league titles and, and everything else. And I sometimes wonder, and you, you don't see it when you live through the moment, but we are witnessing certainly one of the youthful prodigies ever, mm-hmm. uh, one of the greatest in, in Guardiola, mm-hmm. and in my mind, one of the greatest ever in in Sir Alex Ferguson and. Paddy, I'm not going to ask you, is Sir Alex Ferguson the greatest manager in history and would that change if he wins his third European Cup? I will simply ask you, is he already the greatest ever British manager uh, and would he become one in your mind, using your own personal parameters, Mm. if he wins uh, this match at Wembley? Yeah, it's a a very, very good question. If he wins, uh, I don't think that if he doesn't win, he'll be out on his own as the greatest British manager of all time. No, I don't. Um, Because if you look back to the Manchester United that Matt Busby took over, it was considerably weaker than the Manchester United that Sir Alex Ferguson took over. After all, it had finished second. Uh, in the league under Ron Atkinson the year the season before he took over although they were struggling in the season in which he took over otherwise he wouldn't have taken over Um, so he had a lot more to work with and has done throughout his career for that reason actually just to go back to what you said about Guardiola being the the, the greatest young manager to come into the game I think you would have to measure his achievements against Jose Mourinho's with uh, with Porto uh, considering you know the relative strengths of the two clubs but it's it's certainly arguable, but uh, yes, for if, if Ferguson wins this one, um, he'll certainly be seen. Um, no, I don't want to know how he's how he's seen by society. I care more about Paddy Barclay's because I actually think Paddy yes. Barclay's opinion is worth yes, more will. than the mean opinion of society. He will be because the others um, by up, you. Up he will be bu- by up you. With bu- up with Busby, yes. Um, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't put him ahead of Busby. Um, what does he need to do to get ahead of Busby? I don't Can think it'd be possible. I don't think it'd be possible because 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 of, of what Busby not only went through. Um, uh, I think one area in which he can go ahead of Busby is legacy. Busby left a aging 
team ready for the knackers yard uh, Ferguson may well leave a team with which his successor can continue uh, the levels of achievement uh, so that will put Ferguson ahead of Busby certainly he would, if, if he did that I would put him ahead of Busby but uh, no I think at the moment I wouldn't put him ahead of Busby no I, I wouldn't put him ahead of uh, Steen who taught him pretty well everything he knows um, given again what Steen achieved with uh, Celtic as opposed to Manchester United um, but I'd put him up ahead of all others, yeah. Ollie, you, you come at this uh, from a slightly different perspective because um, I think you were still uh, wearing nappies when Sir Alex Ferguson won his first um, European trophy with, with Aberdeen. I was wearing nappies when I was eight, but it's quite worrying. <laughs> I'm never quite sure you're just so youthful, you know. Um, but, uh, do, 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 I mean, from your own personal view, I mean, obviously it's, it's difficult for you to judge Busby beyond what you've read, what you've heard, and, 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 and so on. But at some point, when, when you talk about legacy, when you talk about longevity, when you talk about sheer weight of silverware, when you talk about doing it in different eras, um, do you put Sir Alex Ferguson out ahead on his own right now? And if not, how much more does he need to do to get out ahead on his own? Well, do you know, I mean, I've, I've read a lot on, on Busby and, and, and the sort of Manchester United on, of that era, and I've you know watched everything that um, you know not, not not just the sort of um, BBC dramas, etc., but but more you know more relevant things about about the Thanks, about man. the team and, and and about the success and about Busby and it. it I mean, his record, his his story is incredible. I mean, to win, you know, to take that team into Europe in defiance of the football league, to in, endure everything that they did after Munich, and and then to rebuild a team that won the European Cup within um, um, within ten years is just incredible. And and it's you know it's 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 a it's a story that will um, will last forever. Um, but you know, if if Busby's record was judged. By today's terrible, you know, terribly demanding standards, I'm sure people, you know, if, if he was subjected to, to, to the, um, the, you know, the phoning generation, the internet generation, the, um, dare I say, it, the podcast generation, I'm, I'm sure people would say, God, you know what? He, 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 you know, he's had Bobby Charlton, he's had George Best, he's had Dennis Law, and he's, he's only, um, you know, he's only, I mean, he's rebuilt the team, but, you know, he's only won two league titles since Munich, and that was 12 years ago, and, you know, it's... Uh, Excuses wearing thin. Yeah, yeah the, uh, Arsene Wenger could relate he, to that. He would, I'm sure at some stage somebody would come on a phone in and use use the word, the phrase, lost the plot. <laughs> he wrote the plot. But, 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 but I mean, it does focus on... I mean, um, I, I was with um, I was with Bobby Charlton on Monday for an interview that will be on, in Friday's paper, and, and and he cannot separate the two of them. And surely there can be no uh, greater compliment to uh, to Alex Ferguson than that, given um, Matt Busby's attachment to um, sorry, given Bobby Charlton's attachment to Matt Busby. I think Fergie's record is just yeah. incredible, absolutely just incredible. Like to say, actually, since we're talking about a Champions League final, that in terms of achievement, I would put uh, above Ferguson and, and Busby and everybody else, I would put Clough and Taylor. Clough and Taylor added up to managerial genius mm. beyond anything that's ever existed in English football. I mean, they took Nottingham Forest average attendance 15,000 to two consecutive Champions League triumphs. Um, and uh, that is something that I think puts 
you know, it makes you ask of Busby, what was keeping you, mate? Uh, and 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 uh, and Ferguson, you know, why do you take so long to to do the obvious? I I really think that Buzz uh, that Clough and Taylor were ahead of anything that British management has ever produced. But, but then you look at you look at Clough's record post 1980. Well, he, uh, that's and, why and I used the word Peter Taylor yeah. because you take away Peter Taylor and Clough right. wasn't a genius I, anymore. I, this actually we should do do a whole podcast on this, um, but uh, we are we are digressing here, and I think back to JD Salinger and you know the the kid in the back of the back of the classroom shouting digression digression, and I really don't want to be that guy. Um, so just to go back to this, um, most podcasts end with people asking for predictions. Uh, most radio shows do. Um, I think it's utterly demented. If we were good at predicting outcomes of football matches, we would all be wealthy professional gamblers. So um, I'm not going to do that. I'm simply going to be inviting everybody back on Monday where we're going to be sharing our thoughts on what we hope will have been a fantastic match. In the meantime, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find some of the best writing on football out there. Um, you can web chat with me on Monday, the day following the game. Uh, and, uh, of course, I'm on Twitter. Ollie K's on Twitter. Patty, are you back from your from your Twitter holiday? Uh, no, I'm still uh, still on my holiday. You're still on hiatus. Well, from well hopefully you'll be so moved by event Saturday night that you'll come back. I'm, I'm actually continuing my holiday on Twitter in uh, protest against all these uh, nasty, nasty tweets about Ryan Giggs. Well, Toby Young, Boy George, Piers Morgan, and uh, the other guy all thank you. Till next time, goodbye. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.